Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Winged Hustler Publishing Podcast, abbreviated to WH Pubcast. I'm Brandon Rossbond here with my co-host. I'm Mark Barber. Hello. This has been something that we've talked about for a while on and off. If you follow us in the publishing industry, we've kind of teased the idea for a few years, but we've never actually been able to sit down and do it. And we just followed through with it. We decided to jump on the opportunity to reach out to an audience we haven't necessarily touched on and kind of bring a little bit more depth and meaning and insight to the audience that does follow us. Yeah, it's long overdue. We're not getting any younger. We're not getting any more IT savvy. And I think if we're honest, that's the main showstopper. So, um, so yeah, using kind of Stone Age technology and IT uh, and programs, here we are. We can chat about, well... What are we going to chat about? What are we going to start with? Well, the main purpose of this whole thing is to give our authors more of a voice to their audience. You know, Mark and I have been on countless podcasts over the years on different variety of uh, genres and books that either Mark's written or I've edited. And a lot of the shows we go on kind of like touch about who we are and what the books we're writing about are about and kind of give a general synopsis. But we don't ever really get to go into the in-depth discussion about what the book really is about. I think there's a really um, undersold market in exploring what our authors are thinking and how they go into these things. And I kind of get at that behind-the-scenes look because I work so closely with all the authors. And so there are questions that come up while I'm editing novels that don't necessarily transition to when you, the readers, get it in your hands. So when I edit books, I look at it through different lenses. I look at it through a technical lens. I look at it through a reader lens. I look at it through a publisher lens. I Every edit read-through I do, I kind of put on a different pair of glasses to look through it. So a lot of questions and comments that we get at the end kind of have been brought up in one way or another. Um, and then there are those that don't, and I'm always happy to get feedback in one way or another. But there are certain things like certain interpretations that people take of a work. I think it gets lost on the nuances of what the author was trying to do. And I think this would be a good way for our readers to get a kind of behind the scenes look of how the thought process works on different things. So I will just say this, not all of our episodes are going to be author-based. A lot of them are just going to be Mark and I here kind of just shooting the breeze, talking about a variety of different subjects and writing and publishing and kind of helping aspiring authors to get to know the industry and things that have worked for us, things that don't work, things that we like, things that we don't like. But with every release of novels that we do uh, with Zmok Books, that's the side that I run, we're going to try to get the authors on and talk to them about spoilery things. So my ideal goal is to have the first half of those shows be talking about, you know, pitching the book to you guys listening and say, you know, this is why you should read it. This is what the book's about. And then the second half of it would be basically now that you have your pitch or now that you've listened to what I have to say and you may or may not have already read the book, here's into the spoilery details. And I'm going to ask the questions that I had going into it and questions that I want to kind of dig in the author's mind to try to explain the book a little bit better. And we're going to be taking any questions, you know, moving forward. So if you're listening to this and you're following us on social media, make sure to ask your questions in the comments and, you know, we'll always get to them on an episode. I think it's going to be cool to just uh, bring in all these people because it's, it's a spreading company, isn't it? It started off, um, I mean, how long have you and, and Vince been going for now in years? It's uh, Winter Star has been around for quite a long time. 
And every year that goes by, that more and more names get added to the roster and it spreads out into different directions. There's different franchises within each franchise. There's different ways of doing it. There's real different feels. And for me, I think the most interesting thing is going to be just to speak to all these different people who sometimes have only corresponded via email uh, when we're swapping ideas or kind of having crossovers between projects we're working on and, and, and kind of just get to know people on air, so to speak, and find out what's driven them with their ideas and what they like and don't like to write, read, etc. And I think it's going to be cool to kind of dive into that. And the other part of it, there's a meme going around uh, I've, I've seen on some of the authory groups, the old iceberg analogy that the tip of the iceberg is what you see in a book. And I could not agree with that more. That um, for me, I, I kind of try and put the the emphasis on characters rather than plot and theme. But character wise, you'll read, say, a 300 page book and you'll you'll get to know a character that much. But there's like 1500 pages of ideas behind it that the reader only gets the 300 uh, that they need to because otherwise it, it ends up being long and convoluted. So I think it'll be nice to dive those couple of rungs deeper and kind of scratch beneath the surface in that creative process. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And, you know, this is an interesting perspective for both of us. And it's kind of why I, I asked you to run this with me is, you know, being the editor, to answer your question, we've done this for about 11 years now, I think. I think this year was the 11th anniversary of Winchester Publishing. So I think last year was 10 years and we ran some specials and all that. But I worked directly with with everybody on the, the Zamok side of things. So all the fantasy and sci-fi, I work with each one of those authors from the start to the finish. And you represent kind of the other half of that. And, you know, you, I think you are the author that I've worked with the most. I mean, we've done, what, uh, five books together. Oh, I think Six. it is. Oh, and let's just count through this. One, two, three. Four. Oh, that's 6.25 and a short story. <laughs> uh, I'm yes. so sorry. I'm so sorry to have done that to you. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I have worked the closest in, on these books. And so you kind of get a feel for how I edit things and my style of what I look for. And in the same token, now you get to impart your views on how it's like from the author side of things, talking to different authors. And I think we're getting a good balance. I think the, the listeners are going to get a good balance of what it's like on both sides of the spectrum to write for a company, what to expect when you're working with a company, and then how the editorial process works. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the editorial process. And, you know, I've only... I really haven't worked with too many editors outside myself because, you know, when you're the editor, who edits the edits, which, you know, thankfully I've had you to bounce off of on all my stories, but you've kind of, you've worked with other companies in the past. So you kind of know other styles and you kind of have seen what works and what doesn't work as far as a editor author duo. Yeah. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with a handful of companies since I think my first book was published in maybe it was I think 2008 with Osprey Publishing who absolutely cracking company to work with it's, it's been years since I've worked with them but I did three books with Osprey and, and they were great. Is that the book that I randomly found the other day? Yeah yeah that's the one the you've got the rare unsigned copy it's worth millions yeah all, Real all quick, let me signed by me at various rainy book fairs in in grey England so yeah yeah you've got the rare one. Let me throw in this story real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but I yeah, yeah, it's nice it, background information. Uh, so besides uh, running the Zmok side of Winchester Publishing, I now work for a company called On Military Matters. And so I was going through the other day, going through our used books and pricing them. And I happened to come across an Osprey book about a certain subject. And I'm like, you know what would be really funny is if this book was written by Mark Barber. And I looked at the bottom corner and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I instantly snapped Mark a picture and I'm like, well, look what I just happened to find very randomly. I turned to the guy who I was working. I'm like, I know this author. I work with him really closely. He just gave me one of those. 
uh-huh okay sure looks but uh, anyway go on there's there's different different editorial styles out there but also when we when we do these group projects there's there's very different styles of how an author is going to approach that relationship and for me um i think you, you kind of got to remember the, the the contractual chain of command uh, and the author's at the bottom of that you can't afford to do which i think uh, you know, not many but you get the odd first time author will kind of come in uh, and be maybe a little bit prima donnery it's like here's what i want to do and you're like, okay uh, that idea needs uh, tweaking a bit no it doesn't it's great and um, you, you kind of got to realize that, no, 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 you are working for the editor. The editor is above you in the chain of command. Uh, the editor is part of the institution which you've signed a contract for and you report to. And they have the rights to veto and say your work isn't of a, a good enough quality. And that, that's the attitude I've always tried to go in with. But you, you can get some draconian editors. And uh, I've been lucky. I haven't had much of that, but I have had one I can think of. But by and large, I mean, if, if the way that we do it in Wing Tassar is, you know, kind of I'll say, here's what I want to do. And then you'll come back and maybe say, okay, this bit here, pick out a random page. How about you do it this way? And most of the time, in my experience, I go, yeah, Brandon's way is better. But sometimes you'll kind of go, no, I, I need to defend the wicket here and say, no, here's what I'm trying to achieve. And just have that grown up conversation because you're all on the same team and you're trying to achieve the same output, which is the best product you can. I think it's, it, it's just about that. It's about that mutual respect in the team. Mm -hmm but ultimately remembering that there is a pecking order. The people we're representing their IPs are at the top of that. Uh, then it comes through the company, through WHP, and then the author is kind of the bottom of the pile on that and, and need to do what they're told. You bring up two really interesting topics, and it's two things we're going to talk about in later episodes. So if this interests people, stick around and keep an eye on social media when we update episodes. But IP writing versus original product are two completely different worlds. And what goes into those are two completely different thought processes from just the conception of the novel to what you're going to be writing about and how it's going to affect the larger product. That's, that's definitely a topic I want to talk about in another episode. And then just new authors in general and attitudes. That's another really interesting thing I do want to get into. And I've been fortunate in the fact that most of the authors that we've worked with, I have really grown bonds of friendship. All of the authors that we're currently working with are fantastic people that I know, you know, on a first day basis, talk to regularly, really enjoy who they are and what they bring to the table. But we have had a few who are very prima donna and say, you know, whether it's they've grown recognition in a certain franchise and they think that they know everything there is to know, or whether they think that because their echo chamber has told them that what they're writing is the best thing that's ever to come out on pen and paper. There are people who come to the table that say, this is it. I know everything. There is no question. And, you know, even it comes to um, people when we're doing IP writing that are too close to the source. And again, it goes to that echo chamber thought of they think they know everything because their group of friends have told them that what they're assuming is correct. But when you ask the source and they say, no, it's not correct, then that kind of spins everything on its head. And the best way I can think about that, I'm going to make a video game comparison. And I'm going to put a preamble here. There's going to be a lot of video game references in this podcast. This is, you know, we do primarily work in a wargaming industry in the writing. 
And I'm primarily a gamer, so you know there's going to be a lot of references to that stuff. But I'm a huge role playing nerd. I love role playing games. And back in the days of before voice acting, everything was text. So in most of the RPGs, PlayStation One era, everything was you could put the character's name in. You know, you could name everything because there was no voice actors to limit what you called people. So of course you you had like Final Fantasy VII, where everybody would call Barrett Mr. T. Um, but in Final Fantasy VIII, there was like 20 summons, and you could name each one of the summons whatever you wanted to. So, you know, I, I when I was young, I had a blast naming them, and then as I got older, I left them as their current name. And then there was always debate of how you pronounce those names. So a lot of them are references to real-world mythology and, you know, religions. And Shiva, for example, S-H-I-V-A. Is it Shiva or is it Shiva? Shiva, pun on Shiver, or Shiva because the I is a long I. It's the question of you know, you think you know something, you think you know how you pronounce these words, and all of a sudden you meet somebody who's also played the same thing, and they're like, oh no, it's pronounced this. And you're like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, it is. And I think it's a regional thing, but it's interesting. It's one of those just interesting quirks of just working with people and interacting with people in general of the preconceived notions and challenging them. And somebody's got to give in. It's either you agree and say, you know what, maybe you're right. Or you go, no, I think you need to look at it the way I'm looking at it. Or you just break off all conversations and say, you know what, that person's not too intelligent. I'm walking away from this. Yeah, uh, I think as you hit on the, the nail on the head there, the comparison between like the uh, the video games and the IP writing and all that uh, side of things. You've got to think of what you're serving, I think, when you, you're putting this stuff down. So if I'm writing for an IP and let's say I'm writing the opening novel, I only say that because it's happened three times and it's really difficult. And it might be an IP that has thousands of pages of law like infinity something like that it might be an ip that really doesn't and you've got a lot of blanks to fill in but you got to remember you're, you're there to serve the ip and what you can't do uh, and and what I, i've fallen foul of and i'll hold my hand up and say you know I'm a, I'm, I'm a culprit of this in places is inadvertently drift off and write what you want to write and what you want it to be instead of what it actually is. That's the key difference for me with, with the IP. If, if you're going to write in your own setting, write what you want, that's cool. It's, it's your thing. But if it's an IP, if you are representing someone else's creativity, your job is to develop it in the direction that they clearly want it to be going in, which is fine. But then you you might get sometimes on the say, okay, but I want you to write about faction X and faction Y. And it's like, but uh, I'm not interested in dwarfs. It's, it's a compromise, isn't it? You've you got to do the right thing for that franchise, but you still got to write what you're enthused by or it's, it's not going to come out good. Right. And I definitely think there's a lot to unpack with that. There's definitely going to be an episode devoted to talking about IP writing. So I think we'll probably make that one of our earlier ones. So maybe maybe episode three or four or something. But I think that's a lot of our base for Zmok. I think that's where they lie is in IP writing and IP fiction. I mean, because we've got Kings of War and Infinity as our two flagships. So I think that'll be interesting for them to hear what goes on behind the scenes. And the things are exactly what you talked about, about the writing crafts and what we can and can't do. So we'll definitely explore that more. But yes, yeah, so... The name of the show is interesting, and Mark and I were kind of just talking about that before we started recording. I came up with the name randomly because I was writing down notes, and I'm just like, all right, so I'm going to start this thing, and we're going to call it the Wing Tester Publishing Podcast for working title. I wanted to abbreviate it in my notes, and our abbreviation for Wing Tester Publishing is WHP. So my notes were originally WHP Podcast. I'm like, hmm, well, what if we just got rid of one of the P's and we made it WH Podcast? I'm like, yeah, it's a little wordy still. It doesn't really necessarily sum up what we do. I would have gone with a little P in a pod for that. If it was P podcasting, I would have made little cartoon P in a pod. 
and that would have been the logo. <laughs> you know, we haven't gone there. That's fine. Yeah, we, we, we haven't gotten the logo as of recording, but when this goes live, I'm sure it will be. I have ideas for that, which I'll talk about in a second. So then I was like, okay, so we're a publishing company, but we're doing a podcast. WH Pubcast. So it's WHP is in the Winchester Publishing. You're doing a podcast, so Pubcast. So I thought that was a nice little pun. And then, Mark, you informed me of it. Another nice way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I strayed from the other side of the pond. I look at that and go, podcast. So that's kind of like a podcast, but with a sit in a pub with a pint and it gets slowly inebriated whilst, whilst ranting kind of feel. And I, I think that's cool. And that's something I may do. I may do on the future episodes. I don't know. Harking back to the uh, the editing side of it, it does crop up sometimes. I'll write something in uh, in British, and then when you kind of read it, it means something. Some words mean something very, very, very different on the other side of yes. the channel, and uh, that is invariably hilarious. I, I really enjoy when that goes wrong. Talking about pint reminds me of that uh, famous Shaun of the Dead blind. What is it? Go to the Winchester, grab a pint, wait for the stall to blow over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's our emphasis behind the name. Logo is interesting. And, you know, if fans listening to this want to design us a logo, feel free. You know, fan art is a cool thing. We haven't we haven't actually. Well, I take that back. We've sort of got fan art. You had a diorama done. Oh, of man. I remember Ryan um, when Steph's Deliverance first came out. So I'm going to consider that our first quote unquote fan art. I don't think commissioned artwork counts as fan art, but it's cool no. that we actually have commissioned art. So, you know, but if any fans can, are listening and they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to come up with this idea. Feel free to fan art. We'll, we'll, I think, we'll yeah, the closest I've had, as you said, Patch Adams, uh, who was a guy I knew from the Bolt Action Circuit. I haven't spoke to him in a long time, but absolutely lovely guy. Uh, real mm-hmm. a community hero down in Australia within quite a few of the circuits actually really lovely guy uh, and and as you saw, saw from that painting a, a very 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 good painter and he cobbled that together like out of um uh, bits and bobs and it was just it was brilliant and it, it comes back to the iceberg thing you know if, if you've written something and it gets out there and it's 300 pages but actually there's thousands of pages of thought into it and then suddenly mm-hmm. just on facebook one day something pops up and someone has put hours of effort into taking one of your concepts and and painting it and posing miniatures and stuff like that it it, it makes you weak it doesn't get any better it's it, it's really great to see and patch did a fantastic job I think the only other thing we've had after that, really, Pius, a uh, few people made three-masted frigates. Right, Frig- right, right, right. Frigates could be three-masted. I'm not going to rant, but, you know, by definition, <laughs> they're, ship- they're ship-rigged. That's what it means. Otherwise, it'd be a brig. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to let that go. <laughs> it's okay. But, um, yeah, I'm working on the Pius sequel at the moment, and there's, there's already more puns. And hilarious wit and repartee, um, having a go at the, the terminology and all that sort of stuff. Which I did quite. For a bit those of. that don't know, Pius is Mark's uh, Armada book set in the um, Kings of War Armada game, so it's a lot of boating stuff. Mark, I think it's it's fair enough to say. Do you want to tell them the title of the sequel? Yeah. What was it again? We agreed on this like three days ago. Uh, through thick, through and, thick thin. and thin. Yeah, because yes. I, was, I was kind of looking through what, what um, there are so many phrases uh, in in common use today. So many just little things that you can think of, toe the line, stuff like that, that have uh, their origins uh, as nautical phrases. And through thick and thin is uh, is one of them, uh, referring to thick and a thin rope going through a block. 
we were kind of looking through different ones and thinking which of these many 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 phrases hundreds of phrases a sounds like a potentially a cool novel title and b ties into the synopsis that we've agreed on and c is not an innuendo because <laughs> we had one of those which you informed me that i'm like oh yeah, no, we're not going to go with that one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was fantastic. Um, <laughs> if you look at so much of uh, nautical terminology, Jack speak, which is the colloquialism for phrases which have originated in the Royal Navy, a lot of it is just not acceptable in this day and age. Um, so, which, you know, is a different time, is a different age. So, um, yeah, I think we had to be a bit more careful with some of them. <laughs> Yeah. And then just to backtrack, because we, uh, we we got off subject for a second, but the logo that I had in mind is, and, you know, make it happen, don't make it happen, wait for it to actually happen. Well, maybe it'll go live when this goes live, is I, I had this idea, and it's a really cheeky idea. So our two logos are the winged hussar and the dragon to represent the science fiction, fantasy, and the history. So I kind of imagined cutting out the images of the two of them, facing them to each other and then putting a mic stand in between them and maybe some headphones on them and then represent the two sides of our company having a podcast and even though two sides that are currently talking here that's that's better better than my pee in the pod idea (laughs) (laughs) even though the two main hosts here are primarily fantasy and science fiction i thought it was an interesting idea but yeah, to represent the history side, Vince will eventually be coming on the podcast and he'll be talking about stuff and uh, stuff and things, you know, our, our favorite stuff and things. He'll be talking about history books and uh, history topics. And, you know, we'll have some history specials for the show, too. But he'll have some of our history authors on to talk about various time periods and events in history. So look forward to that. My sister, Allie, I think I think I've roped her into coming on to talk with my dad or at least come on and talk in some capacity. So, yeah, we'll have some different guests. Oh, and we're going to be having rotating guests occasionally. So, like, with every author that we interview, obviously the author will be on the show with us talking about their latest release. And with the variety of different topics that we have planned we might throw in a revolving host every now and again just to get somebody else's perspective on things i mean you came here to listen to mark and i but you know another voice doesn't hurt as well yeah get stoddard on it and washburn and Leeby. get all those guys in here yeah we've got a good crew of authors and a, a lot of really good passionate people so you'll get to hear a lot of different voices hopefully you'll be interested in going well he speaks very well and you know he's got some good thoughts i want to read his book But speaking of buying books, I want to kind of give a little bit of a touch on working in the publishing industry, because that's something that um, I don't think enough people really get a full grasp of. So it's kind of changed over the years as, you know, things have evolved and as COVID has hit and COVID has kind of changed everything. The toughest misconception that I think we face when we're publishing any of these books is I think people seem to think that we are this giant corporation and that couldn't be farther from the truth. This company is mostly run by Vince and I. We have a couple other people that work within our company, not full time, but, you know, different roles. But it's a very, very, very small amount of people. And we kind of do what we do out of passion and love for the gaming industry, the wargaming industry, for books in general, for history. We came into this with the knowledge that Vince had working at Black Library and the years that he's worked with them. We kind of said, you know, we can apply that to more than just Games Workshop. You know, there are hundreds of really cool tabletop games that don't have fluff or they don't have the fluff fleshed out. So when we approach these projects, we kind of go into it to learn as much as we can. And, you know, 
we try to, especially like me, because I try to, you know, introduce myself to players and try to go in knowing, you know, I don't know as much about the game, but I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I'm going to try to make sure these novels accurately represent what you want to see. And Mark, you do a really good job of doing that, too. You go in people in the community and say, hey, what would you like to see out of a novel? Uh, yeah, whether it's successful or not, I can judge. I certainly try. Uh, the, the two ways I do it is social media, get involved, say here's roughly what I'm trying to achieve, what do you want, and uh, every community, supporting every IP I've, I've written for, there's been some amazing ideas and some really great feedback and some real positivity, real vibes, and you, you kind of, I, I get it, you know, with the stuff we're writing for, not everyone cares about the law, you just want to play the game and you like the mechanics and the competitive element and all that. And that's, that's great. That's, that's cool. But there, there is invariably to a greater or lesser extent in, in any of these an element of that community that likes the, the law. And when they get involved and engage, that, that's what makes it, that's what drives it in the right direction. And it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. That's one big part of it is that social media side of it. The other bit for me is if, if I'm ever going to write anything to support a game, I got to at least try and learn it. So I'll get some stuff. I'll learn the mechanics. I'll learn kind of the feel for it. And also, it's, it's, I think it's really important if, again, you mentioned Games Workshop. Imagine if you were going to write a novel about, say, Space Marines and you put them in flak armor and give them las guns because you, you haven't made the model. You don't understand. So for me, I'd always buy some of the minis, assemble them, paint them. And then you can kind of see the little details uh, that, that kind of uh, pop out. And it, can only be, it only needs to be a passing reference. But if you get those wrong, that's bad. That's really bad. And I have made mistakes. I think we all do at some point. But you got to at least try. you got to give it 100% and try and get it right. Smoke grenades. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the fiasco and downfall, which was it Mark's was, was it? It was. It's very same. well written and very enjoyable Infinity I novel. I loved it. Yeah, it's funny. It is, I, I can't get my head around it. It's like, so it's said in the future. Yeah. It's got smoke grenades in the book. Yeah, 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 they exist. There's rules for them and everything. Right. And we're in a world where a, uh, you know, a uh, covered advance at platoon or section level would invariably, in a lot of scenarios, involve smoke grenades. Yeah. Right, but you're wrong. These guys don't have them. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's an example of us, you know, trying to utilize the tools at our disposal, but not fully hitting the mark that the audience wants to see. You know, it's tough because we do, you know, like Mark said, the devil's in the details. You know, we try to incorporate all the small level details that people claim they want to see, but sometimes the details that we think they want to see aren't the details that they actually want to see. And it's it's a tough balance. It's it's the whole rule of you're never going to be able to please everybody. But so you work with the company that you're contracted with, you work with the editor and publisher you're contracted with, and you tell a, you tell a good story. And if there is a cohesive start and finish and there's fleshed out characters, that's the story you personally want to see you know, if you get a thumbs up from the publishing company you know that's a start in the right direction so yeah, I, I i think though on that seriously I, I might when we introduce ourselves at the start of every episode given how much feedback i have received on that i'll have to be hi i'm mark sorry about the smoke grenades and downfall uh, and it <laughs> might be my sign in on every episode because uh, wow there's some people who are upset <laughs> Um, I get where it's coming from, you know, particularly when you're an outsider. So, so compare it to um, Craig came in with Team Z after me. Craig's not an outsider. He knows that franchise. He's played it. So he, he's already in the club. And that's why, you know, I guess there's, uh, I, I, there's, there's, there's less mistakes. There's no mistakes because he gets it. 
Whereas I'm coming in and going, right, I've got to learn this and I've got deadlines um, and I've got to learn it fast and, and, and mistakes get made, um, which I'm genuinely sorry about. I, I don't want to make mistakes. I never do. But that, that is one of the things when you come in as an outsider to an IP rather than you're already someone embroiled in it, you're already, say, a tournament organizer who knows it inside out, something like that. There's pros and cons, and that's something we can probably look at in a later episode as well. The independent pair of eyes sometimes really help because you'll get things back on track and go, no, you guys have had mission creep and you're starting to make stuff up. And sometimes being an outsider helps. Sometimes it really doesn't because you'll make silly mistakes that an insider never would. Well, and here on the flip side of things as well, that's true that you were an outsider in Infinity, but you, you were in Kings of War as well. And now you've become kind of like people go to you for questions that, that they hope that you can answer. And you can answer a lot of questions about a certain subset of things because you have versed yourself in that. And even things that you don't know, you can kind of look at it and go, well, this is my interpretation of it. And as we've proven little background information, but as we've proven um, behind the scenes stuff, you're usually right about that stuff. When we go to the parent company and say, you know, this is what we have the interpretation of, and this is what the other person has the interpretation of, which one is right? And they'll usually go, no, Mark is right. Um, yeah, I, I just strong on my way into that. I threaten people and say, uh, I, I, you know, it's like Chuck Norris. He's like, yeah, if I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. Nah, it, it's, oh, I think the only times I get it right when, when there is a difference of opinion and they're not only friendly aren't they there's like creative difference of opinions not arguments and that's cool you need that right. that's healthy and right. uh, the, the the times i tend to get it right i'd say is when it's something steeped in historical detail or real world detail because i i'm a, I'm a in wargaming terms in like bolt action I'm a, I'm a proper rivet counter I'm a sort of idiot who's going to look at a model Sherman on a on a bolt action uh, playing table and say the turret's wrong on that. I'll think it. I won't say it out loud. That's just rude. But but I, that's the sort of thing that will go through my mind. You know, yeah, well, that paint job, that's the wrong shade of green. How could you? Um, but that can help. Um, it means if, if I'm doing something like Kings of War, Infinity, I'll treat it like a real world project and I'll research it as much as I possibly can. And if there's blanks to fill in, I'll turn to the real world and say, how did this work in the real world? And that's why with those sorts of details, I sometimes get it right when, when others don't. But there's a different side to that. Then there's the creativity of like high fantasy concepts and high sci-fi concepts. And I think that's a weaker area for me where other authors do way better uh, and, and I would go to them for help and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm steeped in real world detail and history here, but that's not what this is. And uh, yeah, I think you've got to you've got to know your own limitations and weaknesses and, and, and look to people for help. Right. And this is a very valid point. And each author kind of brings something to the table that another one doesn't. And I've kind of talked to you about this before. I definitely feel your strength is uh, character writing. You're able to really get in-depth detail on characters and from description to personality to traits. Like I can usually have a picture in my mind of how your characters look top to bottom. And I can't like, I see it. It's visual and it's great. Ben Stoddard, another one of our authors, is great at world building. He's able to really expand upon an area and really give us detail. I actually just uh, was talking to you, Mark, about this the other day. But um, Ben is writing a dwarf novel called Pride of a King, which is already done being edited, it's just getting laid out and it'll be out later this year. But he introduced a new type of game in that novel where it's, it's a mix between chess and checkers. And it's a I think Welsh word for contact. I'm not 100% sure of the exact spelling of how we, how we spelled it, but it's such a niche little detail. And it's used as a backdrop 
to the conversation that the two dwarfs are having that it's just not the center point of it. So it, it's a minor detail, but it's a lore building thing because now he's introduced this game that hasn't been talked about before. And it's now canon in that universe. And it was, wasn't the main focus. So it's a really cool thing to world build like that, to just kind of subtly drop something into detail. And then moving forward, that's a thing. Like, that's a thing that the author created and now exists in this grander world. Um, yes. Scott Washburn, he's really good at, uh, he does really good world building and character development, but his weakness lies in visual. Um, and I think Scott can admit that as well. He and I, ha- in some of his standalone books, I've given him notes about like, you've vaguely described what this person looks like, but I can't picture them in my mind. They're kind of changing on every read through because I don't have concrete descriptions of what they look like. And some people thrive off of that. So some people, I've, I've read reviews and comments where people say, oh, it's, when the author gives me too much of what the person looks like, I just lose interest. And I personally don't understand that. I mean, I guess it's the whole putting yourself in the main character's shoes type thing where you fill in the blank with people you know and you're familiar with and you kind of insert the image. But when I'm reading a book, it's kind of in my mind, I want it to play out like a movie in my mind. So I want to be able to have detailed descriptions of what the characters look like that I can go. Yeah, no, that's definitely that character. That's definitely that character. I don't want to have to assume or guess or have that picture change on a rewrite. Scott's weakness lies there. So it's different authors have different strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, it's a it's a checks and balance type thing. You can't be the best at everything. You can be strong in multiple aspects of writing, but you can't ever, you can't be the best writer because everybody will find something to critique about any author. I mean, George R.R. R. Martin is widely acclaimed as a genius author nowadays, and I really respect his work. My flaw with him is I, you'll learn this on this show if you haven't learned it about me already, is I'm not a fan of dark endings. I, I'm not a fan of the darker side of fantasy. I, think, I feel like it's been overdone to death with television and movies that we need to reintroduce light fantasy into the mainstream. So my biggest qualm with him is he's got a great story in Game of Thrones. I really love the characters. I really love the setting. Disliked how nobody was safe. Absolutely big turnoff for me. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. I mean, like real kind of flippant pop culture reference to me, but I prefer the A-team to Game of Thrones. (laughs) Like... You know, all it is is just action, adventure, cheesy one-liners and stuff getting blown up. And people literally get blown up by grenades and then stand up and dust themselves down coughing. You know, it's, it's <laughs> like, um, and uh, I'm fine with that. I like that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that's one of the things, yeah, very much we've, we've always been on the same page on. It's very, very unfashionable at the moment to have a happy ending. And uh, I, I like them. I, I really do. I had to twist your arm a little bit, though, with Steps to Deliverance. The ending of that, we went it's back all right, and because I, I reused the ending to Steps to Deliverance that you didn't like in Downfall, and I got away with it, so it was okay. That's Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and I did, I did think about that going forward, but I feel like the setting and the tone of Downfall was more appropriate for it, especially with the character in question that that happened to. I feel like that was more yeah. appropriate than Orion's ending in Steps of Deliverance. I, yeah, I felt like- yeah. I think, uh, yeah, the, the original ending, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but having Orion completely suddenly, after years of conflict, crack and have a full mental breakdown was a sad ending. Um, I mean, the ending it has there isn't, I wouldn't say it's a happy ending. It's a sort of meh, hopeful. I'd say it's a, it's a hopeful ending. Right. Um, and I think because we originally knew it was going to be a multi-book series, I wanted it to end on a little bit like a um, 
I, I like yeah. to follow Star Wars examples. I'm not going to lie. So I felt like it needed to end on a little bit more of a new hope ending as opposed oh, to. Yeah. Any... yeah. I, I, I um, well, I'm sure we'll do steps deliverance at some point, but that's how I wrote it. I think. Um, and, and from what I read, George Lucas did that with a new hope. He didn't know it was going to be a massive success. So he left things open ended with the possibility that if this goes well, I can do more. And that's how I wrote Steps Deliverance. I, I don't know. It could be an absolute flopper disaster. But if it does well, here's enough open-ended stuff. But if it doesn't, it's standalone. And that's how I try to try to write it. All right. So before we end this episode, I think the last thing that I want to bring up is reviews and feedback. Now, most of the time people leave reviews on things. It's for products they don't like. And they kind of want to warn people away from getting it. Or they want to let the company know that something's a bad product. So it's really hard to get good reviews, as us and our authors have found out. Reviews are kind of the main metric that a lot of these companies use to promote novels and products in general. So Amazon, I'll use as an example, because that's the biggest market. The more reviews that we have on Amazon, the higher that our products are shown and more likely to be recommended to people looking for a similar genre, or just generally recommended to sci-fi and fantasy audiences. So even if you don't like the book, you can leave a review, and that still factors into the metrics from what I understand. So whether if you read a book, you liked it if you didn't like it please leave a review and give us any type of feedback you want us to know because we are always listening to feedback both good and bad we take it in stride but it's still good to hear from the community one way or another to know if we're on the right track or if we need to change something that we're doing yeah um i think for, for anyone who adds a review doesn't even need to be a review um a star rating anything like that what it does is it supports the whole franchise it supports all of us if you think you read something and go meh that was all right and stick three stars on it on Amazon, what it does is it adds to the number of uh, um, ratings and reviews and it pushes it up the algorithm to kind of uh, to, to promote it to, to other people who maybe don't know the franchise or maybe just on the fringes of it. And that applies to all of us as a collective. So if you like uh, any of, uh, of the stuff that we're pushing out for any of the IPs we're supporting, then great. If you, um, if you leave anything, Amazon, I think, uh, as Brian has said, is, is the main metric I've got my feedback from. So um, put it on there. It puts the products in lights a little bit more, which then lets us know what people like and don't like. It then shows the companies we're working for that the books are getting out there, and then we get more support for them and you get more of them. So for the sake of 20 seconds, even if you don't put in any narrative at all and you just want to put in between one and five stars, whatever, um, please do. It, it helps us all out as a team. All right, and that pretty much sums up our introductory episode. Look forward to what we're going to be talking about in the future because we're going to be talking about writing techniques and tips we can give new authors, and we're going to have author interviews. So we're going to have a variety of different subjects. Um, you can stay up to date by following us on social media, on Facebook, to look at all the new books that we have out and just see our library in general. It's whpsupplyroom.com. You can find Windhuser Publishing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but I will tell you Facebook is where we're the most active, as well as we have a Facebook group for Windhuser Publishing, authors and readers, so you can also interact with authors directly there. And uh, Mark, you have your own Facebook page as well. I do. I got a little Facebook authors page, which again, I've been really pleasantly surprised with, with how much activity there's been on there. I wish I could post on there more often, but the day job and real life gets in the way far too much. 
And you know what? Sometimes I just don't have anything interesting to say. A lot of people would argue that I never have anything interesting to say, and that's okay too. So so I, I post stuff on there about the Winter Star stuff, so sci-fi, fantasy, historic stuff, uh, historic wargaming projects I've worked on, just history from like the, the Osprey days. So by all means, yeah, what am I called? I'm uh, Mark B. Mark B. author. That sounds about right. So, so, so please do, you know, chuck in a, uh, a thumbs up, a follow. As the people on YouTube say, click like and subscribe. And um, yeah, that'd be great to hear from anyone, honestly. Yep. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.